Welcome to Warsaw Evangelical Presbyterian Church's podcast. We'd love to worship with you today. way through the book of Ephesians. Our, our conversation for this morning doesn't point us in that direction towards Worldwide Communion Sunday, hoping to be able to bring some of that in once we get to the end. This morning we're going to be spending some time in Ephesians chapter 6, 5 to 9, talking about what does it mean for us to have a positive work ethic. So a slightly uh, different focus this morning, but as we spend some time in God's Word together, would you join me in a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you that on this day we gather together, on this day, Lord, where not only do we get to lift up the name of Jesus, but Lord, to recognize that we are celebrating together with people all around the world who too are lifting up the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that this mind's eye and focus Lord, would turn our attention more than just toward being inwardly focused as a church, but Lord, what does it mean for us as well to be externally focused? And Lord, even as we spend time in your word together and we discover how the way in which we work can also, Lord, have that minds and eyes focused on the community in the world around us. So Lord, we would pray that as we spend time together, Lord, studying your word, would you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that we may see you and hear you and know you afresh this morning. And we pray that in the most wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. How many of you have ever seen the bumper stickers that are something like this, right? I owe, I owe, So off to work I go, right? Uh, Have you seen other ones, though, that say something like this? To err is human. To blame someone else shows management potential. (laughs) Right? How, How about this one? Those who say it cannot be done should not interrupt those who are actually doing it. Or this, you've seen it, the worst day fishing is better than the best day working. Uh, I know some of us, we've probably worked in some pretty crazy environments. It was Nicole a number of years ago who introduced me to the show The Office. And the only reason it really resonated with her and we began to find it so funny is because she has stories that she could tell you of her boss (laughs) are so popular. It's because you and I probably share those experiences of some pretty crazy work environments. I can remember when uh, I graduated from college, Nicole and I got married. We moved up to Michigan where we were going to be attending and going to seminary. And so in that span before seminary started, there was a couple of months where I needed to find a job. So I got involved with manpower. They hooked me up with working for Sears Logistical Services. 
And so every day between 4.30 and 5 in the morning, I would get there and I would unload semis. And the semis would have washers and refrigerators and freezers and tractors and all kinds of things stacked floor to ceiling. We'd get them down and we'd get them all lined up. And a few hours later, the the delivery guys would come in and we would help them get everything loaded onto the truck. Then they would take the cardboard left over from the previous day and we'd have to go and cut it all up and pack it up and put it all away. Well, here was the thing is, you get to work with some people who have some pretty questionable work ethics, right? People who take 20-minute smoke breaks every five minutes. You know, people who complain about having to do the work while you're thinking to yourself, why am I the only one who's actually working around here? People who quick look busy when the boss is coming, right? Or, uh, Nicole and I both have experiences of this, people who say stop working so hard because it's making us look bad. You know, we probably all have experiences like that, or probably we've dealt with people who have questionable work practices. We all have moments where we have great bosses and terrible bosses. We all have experiences where we have great fellow employees and terrible fellow employees. And the question really becomes, how am I supposed to work in the middle of all of this? By the way, did you know that if you work a 40-hour work week from the age of 18 to the age of 65, you will have worked 97,760 hours of your life. If you think about it, you will spend more than one-third of your life at work, and that's only if you put in the bare minimum. I mean, imagine how many more hours we are spending at work. But here's what this means, is that if you view your work as an act of worship, you actually have the opportunity to put Jesus Christ on display in everything you do. You have an opportunity to show the love of Christ to everyone you meet simply by the way in which you work. And that's what we're going to discover together in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. So I want to invite you to turn there with me. We're going to be spending some time there. Of course, you're going to be able to follow along on the screen behind me. But before we read it, I want to give you just a little bit of background so you understand the context of what it is that we're going to be reading together. Now, When it comes to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9, we come to a section where Paul begins to address the relationship between masters and slaves. So it seems a little bit odd that we're going to be spending some time talking about what does it mean for us to have a positive work ethic when Paul is clearly addressing slaves and masters. And what I hope is that as we do some work on this passage, some exegetical work, understanding the history, the background, that we're going to be able to understand how is Paul addressing the issue of his day, as well as how do we apply it to our lives today. 
One of the things that we have to know about this passage is that Paul is not condemning slavery here in this passage, nor would he ever intend for his words to be used in the promotion of slavery. Instead, one of the things we have to realize is that this is simply what is happening during his day. It is a reality and a fact of life. In fact, it is estimated that anywhere between one-third and one-half of the entire Roman Empire, over six million people were actually living as slaves in this time. There would have been a handful of wealthy Christians who would have owned slaves, and Paul's letter to Philemon tells us that. But what we also know is that if Christianity found its earliest birth amongst the poorest of people, often what Paul is doing is he's referring to Christians who would have also been slaves. And he's trying to say, look, if you're a master, this is how you should treat your slaves. If you're a person who's caught in slavery, this is the way in which you should treat your master. We also have to understand that while there were some aspects of slavery that might have looked similar to our own nation's sad history, slavery has both long existed in the world and it did look at least somewhat different from what it did in our own society. People were either forced into slavery in order to pay off debts. Oftentimes in scripture, you'll see the word bond servants. And it's somebody who had, uh, they owed somebody money. And so what would they do? They would often sell themselves into slavery in order for our, as a servant in order to pay off a debt for a time and then they could be set free. But oftentimes people who were caught up in poverty spent much of their lives as bond servants. Even as we said last week, fathers could sell their own children into slavery in order to pay back debts. But what we see is that it was also harsh, difficult, and degrading. Masters could be harsh with their slaves' beatings were not uncommon. But it's also important for us to remember that slavery has never been a part of God's desire or design. Passages like this should have never been used throughout human history in order to promote slavery. God's original intent has never been that one person would own another person, that they would have power over another person to keep them forced in labor and bondage. It's God who declared his people free and he set them free from their slavery to Egypt. It was God who established laws around slaves and every seven years he was saying they should be set free. In the year of Jubilee, they too should be set free. Even Jesus himself taught that the greatest in the kingdom of God would actually be the servant or the slave of all. That statement by Jesus would have been so completely foreign in that Roman society. It would have been unthinkable for a Roman person to think of themselves as a bondservant or a slave because of how low and degrading that thought was. 
And even though slavery continued to be and be practiced throughout the world, what we know is that when it was brought to the Western world and to our own nation, it brought on these even more evil overtones. Sadly, it took far too long for the West to recognize the evils of slavery, but thankfully, the Western world was willing to fight the fight and to see our own nation eradicate this evil from our nation and a desire to see it eradicated around the world. But make no mistake, slavery still exists around the world today. We call it something different. We call it human trafficking now. It, it makes it sound so much better. When in reality, when you think of trafficking in human beings, and in often cases, the, the sexual exploitation of people and the evil of this, and make no mistake, there are still people around the world that are being forced into forced labor. It's still being practiced. So the question really becomes, well, how, how does Paul deal with the issue of his day? And what we have to remember is we, a couple weeks ago, looked at Ephesians chapter 5, and in verse 21, what did it say? That we are to be mutually submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. We said that whether you're a parent and a child, whether you're a husband and a wife, whether you are a slave or a master, verse 21 of chapter 5 is the overarching principle to this entire section of Scripture about how we are to mutually submit to one another. Because ultimately, what we need to remember is that Jesus Christ is our ultimate master. And so matter, no matter what it is that you and I are doing on earth and in the world, that we ultimately do it for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. This is the setup to what Paul is talking about in verses 5 to 9. So if you brought your Bibles, we're going to read it together. Of course, you're going to be able to follow along on the screen behind me. Hear what Paul says. Paul says this, picking up at the fifth verse. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him truly we would say this is the word of the lord thanks be to god 
I said before, how do we take a passage like this and talk about what does it mean for us to have a positive work ethic? Especially when you see a, a section of scripture that as a pastor you might say, well, we're not dealing with this, we're going to move on to something else. My sense is that the larger principle of the passage that we see here reminds us that no matter what it is that we do, we can bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. Everything that we do can actually be set apart for the master's use if you choose to look at it that way. It doesn't matter whether you are slave or free. It doesn't matter whether you're a CEO or a nine to five worker B. It doesn't matter whether you are selling houses. It doesn't matter whether you sell insurance, whether you're sitting behind a computer screen. It doesn't matter whether you are a stay at home parent. It doesn't matter that you're in construction. It doesn't matter that you're a student. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It's that those 97,760 hours that you spend, whatever it is that you do, you can spend it and use it to bring honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to live under the mindset that everybody is just working for the weekend. You can see your work as an act of worship. So how do we do that? A couple of thoughts. If you want to follow along and take some notes, here's the first point. Is that identifying yourself as a person with a positive work ethic, it's about behavior, attitude, posture. Right? Behavior, it's about your attitude, it's about your posture. Verse 5 sums it up when it says this is what our behavior should be. It says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Notice, on two separate occasions, Paul says that our posture should be one of obedience. Again, it goes back to this idea of submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you were to summarize what Paul is saying, it might be this. Employees need to be obedient to their bosses, just as we are obedient to our ultimate boss, who is Jesus Christ. Paul makes it clear elsewhere in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, whatever